Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Right. Good afternoon, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here with the last week in Mortgage Today, our weekly whirlwind through all the latest happenings in the mortgage industry. Uh, each week, I am pleased to be joined by one of our lender members as my co-host. And this week, uh, really excited to have Michael Kuntz, president of Trinity Oaks Mortgage, uh, on in the co-pilot seat. Michael, as always, good to see you, bud. Good to see you too, Rich. Thanks for having me. We appreciate uh, TMC so much. And the uh, in the short amount of time we've been on, I really appreciate everything you guys are bringing to market. So thank you. Yeah, one of our newer members, we so appreciate you guys joining and you've been very active, engaged member right out of the gates. And uh, yeah, we were just lamenting before we went live how nice it'll be to uh, enjoy a, a nice cold beverage at uh, the TMC summer conference coming up at the Tyranny in September. So what a place. I can't wait. That place is beautiful. Should be fun. So uh, let's get right into it. Before we do so, just our weekly reminder that, uh, yeah, we encourage interactivity in the show. Any thoughts, questions, comments, anything. Uh, yeah, just feel free to pump it into the chat or the Q&A and we will incorporate it in the show. And uh, also just a reminder, I know a lot of you listen or watch via our YouTube channel or on podcast, but um, this show each week is also loaded to our YouTube channel. So go there and subscribe. Um, kind of watch it after the fact, uh, or subscribe to the TMC podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So, uh, Michael, let's get right into it and uh, let's start with some of the changes that we've been seeing um, from Fannie and Freddie upon a direction from the FHFA and the amendments to the preferred stock purchase agreement. Certainly, top of mind with the member base right now. Uh, the recent restriction on non-owner occupied properties sold to the agencies certainly. Uh, you know, some speculation that more is to come because it was in that amendment to that document. Just want to get your uh, thoughts on that and uh, maybe any changes you guys have had to make at Trinity Oaks. And uh, um, yeah, any, any thoughts you have on the matter? <clears throat> yeah, so this is really important to us right now. Um, you know, Rich, we are currently in our growth playbook build. We're looking at our next three years and we're a smaller lender today, but we have aspirations to to build up to roughly about a $2 billion originator. So when we start to think about, um, we've got servicing slated as a big component for us in 22. I've been working very closely with Seth Sprague from Stratmore and building out our model. And he and I have been contemplating this. What does this mean to us in the future as we continue our growth track? Uh, what's the timing of when we wanna open that up? And obviously being a $2 billion originator, we're gonna fit within uh, you know, the new PSPAs and what they're talking about. But as we grow beyond that, how do we start to think about that? You know, we've kind of built the plumbing into our phased approach of, uh, you know, how we would uh, how we would look at that with the GSEs and then ultimately what we would sell off to the aggregators. But it's important. Uh, and then when you look at the non-owner occupied component of our business, uh, that continues to be something that uh, we're seeing more and more of as we uh, looked at our acquisition strategy of new branches, whether it's brokers coming to bankers or whether it's uh, just uh, new organic growth, we're seeing that's continuing to be more and more of a percentage of our business, not quite to that 7% mark, but we're seeing it in that three to five. So that's going to continue to grow. 
Excellent. Just to level set with the listeners. Um, so Trinity Oaks, I believe, started as like the mortgage company for a custom home builder in Texas, right? And you guys are a really big part of uh, bringing you on board as the president is to grow that out. You mentioned scale and grow it out into a uh, $2 billion a year shop and just new construction in general, really top of mind with the lender base. We've done some sessions on the topic here on TMC Connect. Uh, yeah, I would really love to hear your perspective uh, on just the new construction market in general. Certainly, there's some headwinds right now. We know that more homes need to be built over the course of the next several, year, several years that then have been built um, to satiate kind of the inventory demand in America. Um, so, you know, being so close to a home builder, uh, you know, just welcome any perspective you have on that issue. Yeah. So, and, and to take a step back to go on with your point. Trinity Oaks started almost six years ago, and I would say it was 100% dedicated to uh, John Houston Homes, which is a, a custom home builder here in the North Texas area. And, and John's a volume builder. You know, He probably will put up roughly 750 uh, units this year. And so Trinity Oaks was really built on that premise. Now, we have our own branding on the marketplace, but uh, my job, to your point, has been how do we continue to, to create capture opportunity with the JH business, but also then to, to bring in more of that traditional retail model <clears throat> to the marketplace. So, uh, but what's nice is, you know, we've obviously got that, that captive audience to be able to, uh, to understand not just how we can keep a nice mix of business with Intrinity Oaks, but also, uh, to your point, what is going on in the new construction market? And, and one of the things that I was talking over with our CFO prior to the call is, and we, I think you touched on this in one of your notes to me is, you know, with, uh, as we're seeing uh, jobs improve and as we're seeing uh, people maybe coming into this trade, one thing that we have noticed is uh, subs and new subs won't really create immediate relief. Um, you know, there have been, I think there's really been a governor on the industry, quite frankly, since the bubble uh, back in, in 08. And you, you've really seen that previous subs haven't really re-entered the market. So uh, we haven't really caught back up to uh, you know start numbers from pre-recession time. But I think one of the big things that we're looking at right now, Rich, is lot inventory. Uh, lot inventory is one of the biggest concerns. There's just not enough. Uh, banks are literally calling us, I would say, on a pretty regular basis if we can spare lots. And of course, personally, we're in a good place right now, today. Uh, lots are good and they look good for the, you know, at least for the next three or four years of our growth playbook. Uh, but the industry restraints are real. You know, we're not seeing, I wouldn't say we're seeing an immediate way to create enough supply to satisfy the demand because it's the balancing act of how you're, you're looking at the new cost the labor cost, the material cost, just to build a home. Uh, so yeah, we've we've really been playing that out. But I think uh, you know, you look at the NBA forecasts over the next three years that align with our, uh, you know, kind of how we're thinking about. It. We could see some leveling off because of the interest rate environment, where all of a sudden you're going to bring in maybe labor costs can come down. The demand will still be there because new homes and purchasing homes is always going to be there. Um, it also, what was interesting through some of the data studies we've done, we're looking at our portfolio right now, and we've seen a boatload of millennial buyers, about 
of uh, our loans within the first quarter are, are millennial buyers. So, and that's only going to grow. Uh, so, you know, we want to try to open up doors for those folks too, and whether it's starter homes. And so we've even started uh, kind of a new way of building with more uh, detached townhomes and things like that to create opportunity for, for homes. But I think it's the cost management play and how do you effectively manage the cost? For example, lumber. Uh, lumber, we already know, is up on an annual year-over-year basis well over 100%. So coming up on May 1, we're about to experience about another 10% increase in lumber costs. So how do you offset that? Well, you've got you've to offset that through price. Uh, I mean, things that we've never seen, copper, or Romex, right? Uh, we've seen that double uh, since the beginning of the year. And, and additional things like glue and paint, <laughs> the, the items that you go, surely this can't cause us an issue. Uh, they are causing us delays. So, you know, um, I think a big thing for us is, you know, we're not even selling specs right now until they're through sheetrock phase. It's just been something we've, we've decided that, you know, lead times are just taking entirely too long. Something that would take two weeks lead time before is now taking 12 weeks. Um, home prices within a particular development in a week's time, we saw uh, a price go up for anywhere between 100 to 150 grand on homes that are in that three to five hundred thousand dollar range. So that is the market we're in, and uh, and so we're taking a thoughtful approach. Uh, but I don't know that there is a crystal ball answer. I think we're all managing through it as best we can right now. It's interesting. I mean, it's you know, I in a, you have supply restraints you hit on a number of them uh the demand side i do think there is just a modicum of the pandemic people have just placed more value in their home and you know i do think that there you know what is going on right now with values is probably an aberration probably will correct at least somewhat but i do think that you know the normal whatever two three percent per year appreciation pace that the it's right i mean i do agree with that i think that the that one one result of the pandemic is that it is going to bring home values up overall and uh it sounds like you agree with me based on your nodding yeah no doubt about it and i think you know if you look at just the traditional purchase market that we're in right now it's it's a conundrum right i mean because i think we could all look at the home value or the value of our own individual home and gosh, we're sitting on a, a nice little chunk of change there, but where do you go? <laughs> now what, you know, because uh, you're, you're in the same boat as a lot of people right now. So there was a really good, I just, it just came out this morning. It was a survey that realtor.com did that I just saw on the newswire this morning. And it, it, it indicated that there are a lot of people on the precipice of listing their home. But an interesting part of the story was they surveyed thousands of homeowners and um, of those that, you know, were considering listing their home, but hadn't yet. uh, It was an interesting divide. It was almost like the top four reasons why they had not yet listed their home were almost all equal in like the 20 to 22% range. One was they couldn't find a new home that they liked. One was they just didn't want to sell it during the pandemic for various reasons. I forget what the other two were, but uh, the, the net result of the survey was that uh, uh, 
that they felt like there was going to be, you know, kind of an influx of of new sellers out there in the market, which the market certainly needs right now. How do you see the purchase market just in general playing out this year? You know, historically throughout the mortgage industry, like, you know, March, April, this time of year, things start to heat up. People want to buy homes this time of year before school restarts in the fall. How do you see the purchase market in general playing out in 2021? Well, you know, this is something that we've defined ourselves as a purchase shop. That's what, you know, if you even look back in 2020, I was looking at the numbers previous to the call. And this is obviously inclusive of our, our captive business that we get with JH, but uh, we were still running 60, 40, 60% purchase, 40% refi in the height of the refi boom. Now those percentages have even swayed more heavily. Uh, I think we were 85% uh, purchase to refi now. I think what I'm seeing is uh, number one, bid over asking is big right now. So I think uh, you've got to be prepared. And, and you know, I was talking to some of our top producers about how are you, how are you creating di- differentiation in the marketplace so that you can get that customer to be the winning bid, how you can get them to be able to, uh, to get the home of their dreams. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of frustration out there. Obviously you get about two, bid number three and uh, the the denial starts to set in in a lot of cases. So I think creating differentiation with your realtor partners, finding ways to uh, get loans uh, ready and willing to be approved and and to where it almost appears like a cash offer for a lot of that. So we see uh, the purchase market being extremely favorable for us. I mean, Rates obviously important. I think we've come from this rate environment of, of looking uh, below the three percent. But at the end of the day, people need a home. People are looking to create wealth. There and, and rates really not at the top of that list. It's it's about community. It's about you know their kids. It's about wealth creation. It's about uh, creating an environment and uh, for them to better themselves. And so. Uh, we believe that's going to continue here in the Texas market. That's what we traditionally serve and in communities specifically. So we're excited about it, regardless of inflation that that you know we're going to experience as we get into the summer months. We still see a, a heavy duty buying season and our pipeline is indicative of that. This is the last week of mortgage today. I'm Rich Swabinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. This week joined by Trinity Oaks Mortgage President Michael Kuntz as my co-host. And Michael, one thing we're starting to hear from members is just increased QC requests, um, you know, lenders are beefing up their own internal QC efforts pre and post close. Uh, you know, we're starting to hear some anecdotes of, uh, you know, what lenders perceive as a tightening of the LP and DU credit box. Are you seeing that yourself uh, in your shop? And, uh, you know, just your thoughts on that climate here as we go from crazy amount of business, lenders, uh, investors buying loans faster than they could onboard them to now things have slowed down a little bit. And you know, it's kind of right. A natural, the, the circle of life in the mortgage industry. Yeah, we've seen it. Uh, there's there's no doubt. I think that everybody's taking a deep breath and they're looking at their own internal policies, their procedures and saying, all right, uh, we've got to tighten things up. And, you know, I, I had that call this morning with our, our secondary and post-closing bunch. And, uh, you know, obviously we're going to continue to feed uh, the GSEs. We're going to continue to feed our top aggregators. Uh, and we're trying to take notice of where we do see some of those uh, maybe longer turnaround times, and, and uh, but it's natural. 
Uh, I think even in our own shop, as we slowed the pace, the first things we start doing is looking for where we may have a few chinks in the armor. So to think that it's not going to tighten up, we'd be foolish to, to think that. So I, I think it's a matter of, uh, of creating more transparency, certainly with the investor community. Uh, I just asked my guys, I said, we should be on constant phone calls with our partners, making sure that we are identifying where there's gaps, how we can improve, course correcting, and, and not stepping in the same hole again. And I think that goes a long way in building a partnership. It was just so busy last year. I mean, lenders really couldn't do anything other than just, you know, try to get the pig through the python and bend off business. And uh, and then, you know, after the new year, really January was a huge app month as well. And we had some, a lot of our members that had record closing months in March, um, you know, above and beyond their, their best months of last year. Uh, got into April, rates went up a little bit, things have uh, died down a little bit, but we're hearing the same thing from our, our smartest lenders that right now it is, like we can't wait any longer to, you know, really take a macro look at our business and all these things that got kicked to the back burner because of how busy it, it, things have been. Sounds like you guys are in the same boat. You talked already about, you know, some things you're already doing um, to pre prepare yourself to be a servicer and to prepare yourself to scale your business. Um, have a lot of other members assessing tech options and our a new channel strategy. Any other strategic stuff that you guys have in the hopper that, uh, you know, maybe, you know, didn't make it to the top of the to-do list last year, but is a priority for you here in 21? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think one that has been a topic for 20 years and we've never been able to, to get around third base with it is e-closing. Um, and I think what happened for us in 20 was a realization that wasn't something we could implement in 20, but it certainly showed where we had deficiency in our ability to serve borrowers in the pandemic we were in. And, I'm, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, however we look at it, that's our new reality. And we've got to be prepared to be able to, to serve customers in a way that makes them feel safe. And, uh, and so we have put this at the top of our list. There's no doubt, you know, I have, a, I have a dream of being able to have one of our custom homes built to be able to do the financing on that. We have our own title company. So to be able to, to create a, a, a world-class experience where we can hand the keys safely over to that person uh, on their lawn because they were able to close the loan. So we're very aggressively pursuing that. Yeah, there's no doubt it's going to bring us some some back-end savings, and that's but that's not the goal. Yes, obviously the PL will will be rewarded for it. But at the end of the day, creating an experience that where customers can feel safe uh, is something that we're after, and uh, you know we're excited because we're in the home stretch. We're gonna we've been doing hybrids uh, for a long, long time, but we will close our first two full e-transactions here in the coming day or two, I hope. I'm waiting to get that report. And we have a, a very aggressive goal now for the balance of the year. I'd like to close uh, somewhere around 300 fully closed loans this year as a part of our initiative. And I think that sets us up. And I think we've invested well in our technology, Rich. Um, that, that was something I was always pleased with when I joined Trinity Oaks uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, now it's about turning our attention to customer experience. How can we continue to show a great customer experience, love our clients all the way through the process, but then show them something that keeps them coming back? And obviously with servicing on the horizon, that will be something that 
that we'll be able to provide for them. But yeah, e-closing is a big one. It's been a cliche. I, I just had a contact or a call yesterday with a couple of my warehouse banks and they were asking, are you going to be doing these? And we said, we're going to be aggressively doing these. So we're excited about that. Initiative. Awesome. Uh, moving on, just the competitive climate in general. IMBs have taken uh, you know, a lot of market share over the course of these last five, six years. Uh, haven't seen the most recent stats um, you know, with the 2020 production. My guess is with the growth of a lot of these big IMBs nationally, you're probably going to see, you know, I think the last official stat I saw, depositories and IMBs in general is probably around 50-50 in the industry. Used to be 80, 90 percent, you know, money center banks leading the charge. Um, my guess is IMBs have taken probably even more market share here as we go into 2020. Uh, yet, as we move forward into 2021, I feel like the depositories have a lot of things going for them. There's going to be a lot more construction lending. A lot of these products that are still somewhat illiquid in the secondary market, if it's non-QM or jumbo, uh, you know, maybe a higher rate environment where arms actually come back into the market that depositories, you know, maybe are better suited to do. Um, you know, credit unions have... Um, you know, stayed a consistent force in the mortgage arena. A lot of the big credit unions in America have gone out and hired people with, you know, IMB and mortgage background. And of course, you got the mortgage brokers and all the madness going on there with all the, you know, the biggest players. And uh, I'm just curious how you view the competitive climate as the president, you know, of an input mortgage banking company tasked with growing, how you view those competitive waters as you move your company forward. Yeah, so um, again, not to use the, the fact that we're small as, as a reason why there's not a competitive climate, because there is. Uh, you know, what we want to do is we have a vision of where we want to go as a company. We want to be able to serve 8,000 families in one year. That's our goal. Easy math, 250,000 alone, that gets that, that $2 billion mark. So serving 8,000 families, reaching 8,000 families is our goal. Um, we see an opportunity and, you know, we've looked at our business model. If you, if you think about the mix of business within Trinity Oaks, about 25% of that business is that John Houston component, right? And so that means we've flipped that from 100% five years ago to its 25%. So we're aggressively growing our footprint. That has a lot to do with culture. Uh, we've built, I think, a very strong culture inside of Trinity Oaks because our core values are so critically important to us. We fight for our core values on a daily basis. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, culture can crush strategy. And so when you can build, uh, you know, something inside your four walls that people believe in and want to come to work, um, you know, that's a competitive advantage. Now, all that to say, we're aware uh, that the, the banking community is something to keep an eye on. I'm actually, uh, I've been more excited about the opportunity to see brokers that want to take a look at becoming bankers. Uh, and we've seen that. Uh, so as you've got, you know, obviously uh, there's, there's a lot of competition, certainly on the broker side of the house, but showing these folks a path to business partnership where we can create uh, a side-by-side -side relationship with brokers that want to become IMB, P&L branches uh, to create a legacy. Uh, that's pretty attractive. And so we're finding more and more folks that are in that broker community that are ready to make the hop over and be a part of something that's uh, uh, 
you know, certainly doesn't take any control or power away from them. It just gives them more of a foundation, we believe, to to grow their own business and create that legacy. Yeah, and that's something I was where I was going with my next question. That's something we've been hearing from our members. And, you know, the mortgage brokers, you know, certainly, you know, like to talk about the market share that they've grown over the course of the last few years. And um, but seems like that trend is reversing a little bit. And I think some of it has to do with just the wholesale climate in general. I mean, you know, the hallmark of that channel's competitive advantage has been choice and options and 20 different lenders. Then we're going to place you with the best one and the best rate. Yet the big guys that buy that business keep getting bigger. And it seems like they're almost trying to turn brokers into their retail branches, but without a lot of the advantages that one of your retail branches would have. No, that's exactly right. And I think, I think when it's all said and done, it's not about necessarily having every product under the sun. It's not necessarily about, um, you know, uh, the lowest rate. It comes down to these folks are building a brand within their market and they got to, they got to do community with these people. So they're going to bump into them on the streets if, if that's where they're serving. And so what they want to be able to do is create a great experience. And that's what we can do uh, by, by bringing those broker, brokers over to the banker's side. But the other thing that I think is critically important to those broker owners is they have a seat at the table. Uh, and that is a big, unique factor is they have voice into Trinity Oaks because we want to hear from them. That's, that's where the voice of the client is really coming from. I'm not sure that they necessarily have that in some of the larger relationships. But when we build a business relationship, I want to see that my, my branch manager down in the Woodlands, Texas, or my branch manager in Katy, Texas, or my branch manager up in Frisco, Texas, has a voice and, and can, can really speak into how we're going to do things at Trinity Oaks. And that right there is what a business partnership is all about, is how can I create a corporate environment that helps them to grow their business? And that's where they focus on looking, you know, in the uh, in the windshield and not in the rearview mirror. So, this is the last week in mortgage today. Uh, Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. I have a couple minutes left with Trinity Oaks President Michael Kuntz. Uh, Michael, you mentioned uh, the culture at Trinity Oaks, and um, I'm wondering how you're assessing. Uh, have you guys returned people fully to the office? What is your plan on that? Um, maybe you know this last year being remote, some of the advantages, disadvantages. How you view work from home versus work in the office as you move forward? That's you know I think this is something that companies are going to continue to evaluate. I know we certainly are. Um, our operations team. I've come to uh, I've come to full realization that that if we have the right metrics in place and we can monitor and create an environment that we can hold accountable to those SLAs and to those metrics and can still coach and train, I have no issue with our team being remote. I, I think there's always going to be uh, an interactive component between the, the, the loan advisor, loan officer, and the real estate professional. And, and so, you know, but again, I leave that to those folks. I can safely tell you, we're not going and looking at any new commercial space at the same time, but, but I do think that, you know, we're in a new world and we've got to be able to meet not only the customers where they are, but it's become table stakes conversation when I'm talking to new hires is, can I work remote? Uh, and again, I think that's incumbent then upon the leadership team to be able to put the right metrics in place 
because I would rather them uh, be able to get up and begin their day without sitting an hour to an hour and a half in traffic. Yeah. Uh, and now they're off and running. It creates the opportunity to be able to get things done personally and also be productive at work. And, and that's a big thing for us culturally. We are faith, we are family, we are work and in that order. And so we want to speak that into our people. If that means that they feel more comfortable and can be more effective at home, we're open to that. Awesome. Michael, really enjoyed the conversation. Always do. Can't wait to do it in person. Appreciate you becoming a part of TMC and being so involved right out of the gate. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you, bud. We appreciate you guys so much. And to our listeners, uh, thank you for your time this week. Uh, as always, this will be uh, loaded up to our YouTube channel and, and released on podcast. And uh, once again, thanks to Michael Kuntz, president of Trinity Oaks Mortgage, for joining us. And until next week at 2 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, have a great week, everyone. Take care. Thank you. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.